The following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. You're listening to episode 12 about haunted airports, visits to air traffic control, 360s in the pattern, the Pharos Airport Lighting System, our piece of the week, and more on this Halloween edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. <laughs> now, here are your co-hosts. Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast, episode number 12. I'm your host, Len Costa, joined with Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Victoria Newville. How's everybody doing today? Ooh, wonderful. Good. Hello, Len. Hello, everyone. Hello. 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 <laughs> Let's do the pre-flight. <laughs> So last uh, last episode, episode number eleven, we announced that we now have a a brand new product store to pick up um, some nifty little items like T-shirts and coffee mugs. And uh, the website address once again is stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash buy. That's B U Y. And uh, you know, being that this episode is coming out on November one, we wanted to just throw out another reminder: start checking out that sh- um, you know that store online. If uh, you're looking for some gift ideas for the holiday season coming up, um, there's some ne- some neat things out there. In fact, we just I've ordered some items. I know Rick has as well. They started to slowly uh, slowly filter in here, yeah. and uh, they've they've turned out to be really nice. What are your thoughts? Yeah, they're cool. I got I, so far. I've gotten a uh, magnet, a button, and a coffee mug, the normal sort of size coffee mug, and they're really great. I mean, very nice quality. So it's you know, it's uh, we're 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 impressed with our own work. <laughs> is I guess what I'm saying. <laughs> well, you know, that's what you get when you deal with new, new, uh, you know, new items online. So yeah, and I think your, um, your point last time was a good one. Just uh, when you go there and you click on, say, a shirt, you know, play around with it a bit because you can select variations on that, and it's quite correct. quite a wide range in each product line. So yeah, and a lot of customization fitted shirts, which is nice. Definitely women's fitted thank shirts. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, You're it's welcome. yeah, it's You're cool. Welcome. So we've got a little bit of something for the whole family. Uh, but go ahead, check that out. StuckMikeAvCast.com forward slash buy. Now entering cruise flight. Uh, well, getting started for this evening, we, uh, you know, being that this show is coming out today on November the 1st, Victoria has a topic she wanted to share with us. It's kind of relevant to the season. So I'll go ahead and let her lead off today. All right. Well, my topic for today was um, haunted airports. And I gathered a list um, couple Halloweens ago for my blog and I thought I'd just share it with you. What do you guys want to hear first? The ones in the United States or out of the United States? Hmm, let's go I'd out take... of the U.S. first. How's that sound? Okay, there you go. U.S. first? <laughs> um, how about overseas or out of the U.S.? Oh. Let's go there first. Oh, out of U.S. Sorry, I misheard yeah. you. Okay. Um, this isn't going to be too one. scary, is it? Um, you may have nightmares. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> no. <I'll listen> <laughs> Not too bad. Um, first one on the list is London Heathrow International Airport, and that's uh, Echo Golf Lima Lima. Um, hung for thievery, rape, torture, and setting his victims ablaze. 
Dick Turpin is only one of the haunts near the gates of London's busiest airport. He's been spotted riding a black horse or his breath has been felt on the necks of airport employees. Um, in wow. addition to him, the spirit of a businessman frequents the VIP lounge. Uh, apparently, he's searching for his briefcase lost over 60 <laughs> years ago. Like and this that. is when he perished in a DC-3 crash. And did I just get disconnected? No, no, you're good. Oh, okay. That, good. It, it flashed at me. No. <laughs> okay. It's the ghosts. <laughs> it's the ghosts. They know we're talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, this airport is not the only one that's pretty popular um, for haunts in England. Uh, the county of Lincolnshire is apparently said to be spotted with vintage airfields. And uh, when you go there, you can hear the sounds of Merlin engines and the ghosts of Royal Air Force pilots. Ooh, that's creepy. Yeah, I like that one. Going on to Queensland, Australia, and this is a why uh, Yankee Bravo Alpha Foxtrot. Archer Field Airport. Still wearing his flight goggles and cap, a Royal Australian Air Force pilot strolls the swamplands behind the airport. Um, he met his end when the Douglas C-47 Sky trained, crashed there in March of 1947. It killed him and 22 of his listed uh, comrades. Um, but apparently he's Queenla Queenland's uh, friendliest ghost. He's known to smile and wave at people who see him. Wow. So, so, so people, some people see these ghosts. They're not just yeah, like people feeling, have seen them. wow. Yeah. So they see him and apparently he waves back at you. So <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Um, nice. This next one, forgive me because I'm going to mess up how you pronounce this. Suvarnabhumi Airport, I'm guessing, in Bangkok, <laughs> Thailand. That's, wow. <laughs> I know I butchered it, didn't I? <laughs> it's, I, uh, I would, don't worry, I can't. I can't even pronounce it. I would I practice that one before I go into that airport. I would rehearse <laughs> that one. Not buhumi. I don't know. I'm not Thai, so it's okay. Um, that's Victor Tango Bravo Sierra. Um, and there was a good reason for construction workers to be delaying the build of this new airport. Apparently, spirits. Um, the fears of the workers became such a dilemma that they had to have 99 Buddhist monks out there to uh, chant and... Uh, get the spirits to go away. Um, although the monks' efforts did not scare all the apparitions away, apparently there's one called Pu Ming. He's an old man with a blue face and he roams the halls and you can hear his footsteps at night. Uh, the head security officer has witnessed Pu Ming uh, wandering well, uh, all around as well as a lady holding a baby. Um, when she crossed the street in front of him, he slammed on the brakes and she disappeared. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. So those are dun, dun, dun. our overseas ones. Wait, before we do domestic, since yeah. we have two two uh, sort of professional guys who fly in and out of major airports, based on the flying, I wanted to ask uh, Len and Carl, which airports would you guess are haunted just based on the flying? Ooh, well, I don't know about haunted, but uh, I have um, down in Savannah. Savannah is an interesting airport. On um, runway one zero on in Savannah, there are two tombstones in the runway surface. I think it was we were just there last week. I want to say at the top of my mind, it's about uh, on runway one zero at intersection Foxtrot. On Google Maps, you can zoom in. It's kind of difficult to make out, but you can see two old headstones um, in the pavement, and there's uh, said to be two more somewhere out in the grass. 
Um, I'm not entirely sure of the story, but I think something about the airport used to be a burial ground. And the reason those tombstones are still there is because the, um, the airport uh, property couldn't reach the owners or the family members to ask them permission to move them. So they are, I mean, you can see Carl's probably seen them, but in, you know, I know in Savannah, on that one particular runway, if you'll see them just off the left of the center line. So I, I don't know if it's wow. haunted, but there's definitely some people well, buried under the runway. If any airport should be haunted, it should be it would be that it, one. <laughs> and by the way, Len, don't land on them. Because you know, I, I've heard that if you touch down right on them that they'll come visit you at night. You'll be cursed forever. <laughs> <You'll be> cursed. <laughs> yes. Well. I'm already worried that that hotel is haunted anyway oh, down there. Oh, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Len's got some stories, huh? Oh, how about Wichita? Uh, I've, ha- I've had a visitor. I can't remember where it was. It was in uh, Louisiana. Somebody, uh, somebody was rustling through my closet, and the captain that I was flying with made a comment later that day that he woke up to somebody pushing on his mattress. And I said, what time was that? And he gave me the time, and I said... That's around the time I heard somebody rustling through my closet and, and messing with the hangers. He's like, dude, that's freaky. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I think it was Baton Rouge or one of the uh, one of the Louisiana airports that we go to. Creepy. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. There's a few of them out there. There's a few haunted hotels we stay at. Pur- oh su- God, supposed, yeah. Alleged haunted hotels. I mean, I don't, I don't know either way. I haven't experienced much other than, than that, uh, that one incident. But uh, what about you, Carl? Oh, gosh, I so can't sleep at night sometimes when I go to <laughs> hotels. I, I, I almost have to call in fatigue. I really I can't do the scary stuff. I, I'll admit I'm a big baby when it comes to that. And someone tells me I haunted, there's a hotel that's haunted. I leave the light on all night. Forget it. I just can't. I cannot go to sleep without it on. <laughs> so, you know, you were, talk, we're talking about Wichita. Wichita is one where, you know, the, the airport itself supposedly might be haunted, but but the hotel also is definitely on everybody's list as being haunted. I think we switched hotels because of it. But I, in the middle of the night, I will say, I've, I, I don't believe that it was a ghost or anything, but the light actually came on by itself. And I actually looked at the switch, and it was a little bit loose. So I was assuming that's what happened. Excuses, but, uh, excuses. Yeah. <laughs> but there is an old 1930s terminal that's actually in Wichita, which isn't at the, the main airport. It's at the other Wichita airport, which is where they uh, maintain the, the 757s and the Boeings and all those. And there's the, the museum out there. and it's uh, the, Hey, that's on my list. Yeah. Oh, is it really? <laughs> yeah, oh, I'll so tell maybe you more it is about haunted. it. Yeah, I went for a tour through there, and it was, it was kind of eerie. I've, I've been there a bunch of times, but, but as this person is telling me this, it started getting darker. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And what had happened is at the same time this guy's telling me that supposedly it's haunted and there's – well, you can tell the story about it. It starts getting darker and darker and darker. And I was like, this is so creepy. And, and I actually did leave the room and walked outside. I looked outside. It was, a, it was rain clouds that were coming up uh, from uh, the south. I was like, oh, ho, ho. So I, I stayed there, but I made sure that I, uh, I saw other people around the, the uh, museum while I was walking around. I didn't stay by myself. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, oh, I want to hear about this one about the museum out there. It's a wonderful museum, but again, I, I, it's haunted, just like the one in, in uh, Houston Hobby. I've heard stories of people uh, actually seeing airline pilots and passengers walking through that old terminal building, which was built at a similar time. I don't know if that's on your list, also the old air terminal so. building. Yeah, that was uh, what's his name, um, the Spruce Goose. Uh, oh, the Spruce Goose, Howard Hughes. Yeah, Howard Hughes. He actually had a hangar there. And there's this one hangar with a runway that's, that goes straight out from the hangar. 
and he had to make sure they built one there so he could actually take off right out of his hangar and take off. But that terminal there is supposedly also haunted. Very but, cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I want to hear about this Wichita one now. Well, <laughs> apparently you can probably tell me more since you've been there, and I've been wanting to make a trip out to Kansas because there's a lot of great uh, aviation things to see out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the exact stories about um, – what is actually haunted there. Um, but I know it used to be called the country club without the dues. Um, uh, legends such as Howard Hughes, who we just spoke about and Fred Astaire, like frequented it. Um, there's always chilling shadows. Um, they've actually had ghost hunters there and the needles will jump when you asked, um, like they went next to a crop duster and said, uh, did you crash in this aircraft? And the needles would go all crazy. Um, strange noises, weird movements of doors and all that type of stuff has been, uh, happening for years, but I'm not sure, you know, who the ghosts actually are in this. So I don't know if that's something they told you on your tour. Or yeah. Not. Is it the steerman? I mean, that, that's what one guy was telling me is that oh, sometimes people see I, I think that was used crop dusting and it was used in a lot of di- in different air shows, et cetera. But they were saying that every so often people will go near there and they'll, They'll hear something or some something will they'll feel wind and there's no wind in the building obviously they'll and and uh, maybe hear voices etc. So I am definitely not going to sleep tonight now. Gosh, really. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm calling Carl. a fatigue tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Happy thoughts. <laughs> All right. Well, we only got two more. Go so this is cool, oh, hopefully though. they're this not too new. scary. <laughs> I'll be okay. Um, this one's actually a newer airport, um, K. Romeo Sierra Whiskey. It's Southwest Florida International in Fort Myers, Florida. Um, they don't know why they have all these unusual incidents since it's, you know, not built on an Indian graveyard or anything like that. Um, but you can hear toilets flush and sinks turn on while no one's nearby. Payphones ring as you pass them. And sometimes they see an aging man uh clothed in a trench coat, vanishing behind the ticket counter. Where is this? Uh, Southwest Florida International in Fort Myers. Oh, my God. I'd be creeped out if, like, it's like something you see in the movies, walking by and the phones start ringing. That's yeah. creepy. They're after you. Oh, I lied. I have, probably should. I have three more, not two more. Um, Mojave Airport in California, MHV. It's actually an airplane graveyard. Um, how fitting yeah there you go (laughs) um i don't know if you ever heard of the outsiders it's like a paranormal investigation tv show i'm not sure if it's still on um but i actually saw this on tv they were performing some research at this very place and a loud bang came from within a dc9 uh they captured glowing lights on film and uh cameras fell over by a 747 um Let's see what else. The the door of a Vietnam plane flew open and then slammed shut. And so it gets you thinking, you know, how many people have passed through the doors of those planes and, you know, how many people possibly died on them that are haunting them today. So um, last but not least, this is probably one of the more popular ones, Denver International. Really? Wait, the new, yeah. the new, the current Denver yep. airport? K-D-E-N. Wow. It's a, uh, oh, well, maybe it's not well known. <laughs> no. Um, it's rumored to be built upon a Native American burial ground. Um, many employees and passengers uh, claim to hear strange sounds and people whispering in their ears. Um, they have some very unique and creepy murals and artwork throughout the airport. 
Um, so that probably encourages the spooky atmosphere. But supposedly, pictures taken within the airport have developed with unexplained misty figures nearby. And then also, there's a lot of conspiracy around uh, Denver because it is apparently was built as the headquarters for the global genocide that will trigger, trigger the New World Order. Wow. There you go. There's some history in Denver International. <laughs> That's quite a plan. Wow. That's, they yeah. got a lot going yeah. on there. They do. They're very busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Now, where did you hear about all these airports? How did you find that out? All this, I do uh... my research, buddy. Wow. I'm yeah, I, just, I blogged about it, like, I think sometime last year. And so I just did all the searches that I could and delved into the most interesting ones. And there you go. That's really cool. I'm sure there's more. So if any readers or listeners would yeah. send some in, it would be really neat to hear. Exactly. Tell us tell us your haunted airport story. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Totally. Wow. Good lord. Let's uh why don't we move on to something a little less scary and we <laughs> <laughs> might have um, to send Carl a teddy bear tonight. Yeah, happy thoughts. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> yeah, mine, mine. I, I left mine on last night because I was so tired and fell asleep. But that's not not because I was scared. Um, but anyway, moving forward, we, um, I guess, it's still kind of airport related. But Carl, you had you did a visit this week to uh, the Newark Airport um, Tower, air, air Traffic Control Tower. Oh yeah, we had a we had a field trip actually um, during uh, training with the uh, airline. We sometimes uh, get to go on field trips, and uh, we were able to get a tour of uh, Newark Liberty International Airport's tower, control tower. And I've never actually been in the new tower. I've been in the old one when I was uh, in the Civil Air Patrol. Uh, oh, gosh, that was about 18 years ago. And, gosh, that was it was really, really impressive. And I don't know if uh, many of you know, but they recently had uh, this the, – the tower was actually shaking back and forth, back and forth during the earthquake. And uh, these people actually related how scary that was. And people were running really fast down the stairs. Uh, and it's 325 feet in the air, the control tower at Newark uh, International. Now, it, this, this brought up a good point as far as us visiting the tower. Because one of the things I love to do with my students is take them to an air traffic control facility and allow them to actually take a look at the tower or talk to the people on the tower. But uh, one thing that I, I discovered when I started uh, trying to look into doing tower tours and air traffic control facility tours like TRACON is that uh, if you're a U.S. citizen, you have to, you know, it makes it much easier. If you're not, they have to do uh, a, lar a check and they have to see if they're, and you have to have a reason to go, et cetera. But they don't really advertise I haven't found uh, how to actually go about getting clearance to go in. If you're a U.S. citizen, it's easy. But as far as a foreign national, I'm not totally sure how they actually do the selection process unless you have a really good reason to go there. Sometimes they deny it. And I've actually had people that uh, I want to go with that they've been actually denied. And we've had people uh, even at the, the airlines that are denied uh, access that day, that specific day, uh, because they have to go through the, the background check. But... The tour itself is wonderful, and, and here's why. You listen to these people on the radio. You're talking to them, and everybody is, is so afraid. You know, they get that, that mic fright. But these are just these are normal people. They're just like you and me. I mean, they're, they're just uh, easygoing and uh, wonderful people. And uh, they, 
they will just they'll they'll spend the time to actually show you around the airport and uh, and uh, they'll also spend time with you explaining how it's the best way to operate. That's very cool. You know, as a, as a side note to that, I keep mentioning this book because there are a lot of things in it. But that book I mentioned a few episodes ago called Aloft has a chapter about Newark, about that airport and about, you know, about the tower, about the controllers, you know, the 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 free, the, the, the planes per planes per hour landed, all the stuff that's very intense there because there is a lot uh, going through there. And and it and it also touches on the airspace in general in the New York area and how, you know how different it is now than when those airports were first built. And I've talked about that before too. It's a great chapter. And, you know, if you, if you want to read more about what it's like to be, you know, controlling planes at that airport, that book is a great, uh, is a great one to grab. You know, interesting about the controllers there is that they have about a 65% washout rate at Newark. They usually send them to other facilities and where they wash out normally is on ground control. And I was looking out the window saying, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Uh, I could never control all these planes going around the airport. They, it's an ASDEX, ASDX airport, so uh, with the transponder on, they can see where everybody is. They also have primary targets that they can see, like uh, facilities, uh, uh, trucks and fire trucks, et cetera, wandering around on the runway. So they can see all those, but uh, it's... It's actually made their life much easier using this this new ASDEX ASDX to uh, to be able to taxi those airplanes all over the place. One of the things that he he did stress was the fact that when you do call, and, and this is something I always like to impress on people, when you call a controller, they aren't necessarily ignoring you. They might be super busy trying to deal with something else. For instance, while we were in the cab looking down at the runway. They opened uh, the land and hold short, and the lights went out on the land and hold short. And now they had to coordinate with, you know, Tracon and also with the ground control and with, you know, the, the tower and local control to stop everybody from coming in on that runway. Now they have to space people. Um, the other really cool thing, that, and that the point is, you know, just because they're not getting back to you doesn't mean that they're not listening to you. They heard you, but they just can't get back to you. Um, the other interesting thing that they do is they have, they're all computers. They're very computerized. And they actually, the strips that you they talk about where they write down your flight number and pass it on to the next person, like ground control, clearance, et cetera, those are all computerized and have barcodes. And they have scanners next to their positions. And they'll scan the, the actual flight strip and then throw it over to the next person. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And, and then it comes up on the next person's screen. And it was funny because he actually did that with a strip. And then, and then we waited. And then the ground controller was like, hey, what's this? You know, Where's this King Air? I don't see him anywhere. And he's like, oh, no, no, I'm just messing with you. you know, <laughs> so they, they, have, they have a lot of fun up there in the cab too. But I tell you, they, I'm pretty impressed. These guys are so sharp. Yeah. And they, they're just amazing how they can just keep all this in their head. Here they're talking to me. It's kind of like, you know, your flight instructor. They're talking to you and all of a sudden they look at traffic and, and talk to the controller and they come back to your conversation like that and they don't stop. You know, it's like they're telling this airplane, you know, Continental 50, you clear for takeoff. And by the way, you know, we really like our job here. And, uh, and then they go back to, you know, Lufthansa 37, you clear to land. And then they start talking back to us. I was like, wow, how do they keep this all going in their head? It's amazing. Wow. Uh, so it's, I, I'm really impressed with the folks that can do that for a living. That's, uh, that's interesting to me that, um, that structurally they still want to hand a piece of paper 
you know, that that really matters, the flow, that's, there's no better way to do that, apparently, because it's still there. But they, they've digitized the way the data flows. Um, but they still want that thing to be handed, which is interesting to me. Yeah, that's that's also if the computers go down. Yeah, no, it's so they cool. They still have yeah, something that's, physical that's that great. they can do. And it's just, it's phenomenal how many strips that these guys can be working at once. They could be working 50 flights all at once. I was like, wow, that's impressive. Oh. But but they did say they encourage people to, to do the tower tours. It's actually in the AIM. It talks about tower tours. Just find the, or, or any air road traffic control facility. It's just, you know, you have to call them and ask them what the procedure is. And don't feel bad if they deny you nowadays if you're going to do a tower tour because of some of the, you know, events in the past. You have to actually have a supervisor there or an acting supervisor and there always has to be two people up in the cab and uh, so just just uh, try to try to give them a call at a time you know that's slow and if they say no just keep trying I am um, they a really couple, love doing them a couple times once during training and then once once after I um, I, I fly out of Norwood it, you know it's a small airport but but the, the, I went up there to visit with the guys and because uh, it's it's the same few guys in a, in a rotation you get to know the voices and all that and it, they were great it was very cool they showed me you know, what they're seeing when I'm, you know, when I do an ident and what that looks like and what the airspace looks like to them. And, um, you know, we talked about how they perceive what they have to do if you're in a certain place when you make your call, you know, if depending on the runway position, uh, you know, as a GA pilot, if you call in, um, you know, in, in a certain orientation to the airport, it's more complicated for them a little bit than if you position, pre-position yourself on your approach, you know, you're 10 miles out, but you're, you're more in line with, with a certain runway orientation or whatever. So it, it just minimally, it made me realize that they're dealing with stuff and that, that there's a nice working you know relationship together, but that they have, they have their agendas as well. It's, it was very interesting and they're great, great guys. It's fun to, it is fun to do that. I think everybody should for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, you know what? And there was another just quick news item that they told me, and, and they said they're trying to get uh, at the Newark Tower. They're trying to get approval for uh, arrivals over the river. Um, and then you circle the lady, well, they call it the lady, the, the Statue of Liberty. And they're doing, uh, they're going to try to do more visual arrivals using the, for the turboprops especially. And they can, they can actually bring in so many more people, uh, almost double their rate just by letting people circle. And then in the old days, that's what we used to do is just, you know, a thousand feet above each other, just circle above, uh, the Statue of Liberty and then just shoot in on, on runway 29 there in Newark. And when they have a gap, they can do it. And if it's visual, they can do, they can uh, bring the the arrival rates up by like twenty to thirty planes an hour, which is quite a bit. But uh, that's coming in the future. Hopefully, they get a approval for that. I'd do that. That sounds great. <laughs> oh yeah, nice little tour of New York. <laughs> for sure. But yes, try to definitely try to get a tower tour or some air route traffic control facility tour, and just uh, look them up in the phone book and give them a call. Yeah, yeah, they're both interesting. It's good. Good knowledge to see them working behind the scenes, like you were talking about. They're they're coordinating a lot. They're on the telephone, talking to people. They're you know it's it's very, very uh, big learning experience to see what goes on behind the scenes. So very cool. Um, that's the uh, you said you went to the new tower. I mean, how long has that tower in Newark been up? It's been about seven years ish, I think. Uh, right? Yeah, I guess I'm showing new, my age. My Newark my, tower. Yes, yes. I think it was. Oh gosh, uh, that would be in. Uh, somewhere around nineties, mid nineties, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's about right. But uh, the old tower was really cool. They had this this neat place you could go out there, real retro looking. You can stand out on this big ledge and 
and watch the planes take off and land. And, you know, those are the days where you could bring a whole bunch of, a whole group of scouts there and, and hang out. Now it's a little bit tougher to do that. And, and the facility itself, by the way, at, at any control tower is a lot tougher to get into than it used to be. You know, it used to just, hey, knock on the door, open, you know, pick up the phone and run upstairs. Now there's usually a whole, especially at a bigger airport, there's a process. And, Last time uh, I toured, I couldn't get out. Whoever <laughs> has that problem. Wow. The what? power kept going out, actually. So when we were up in the tower, alarms were going off. And I'm like, what's going on? I thought someone had, you know, squawked something, you know. And, really? Wow. Uh, sure so, it wasn't haunted? You know, yeah, it could be. No, actually, they had just a huge storm the night before. And they had, like, a wind-powered generator that went down. And wow. so I got locked inside because the gate went open. <laughs> wow. There's yeah. a <laughs> we hung out a little longer. <laughs> but those are wow. those are cool places. I tell you, I, I was amazed at how much stuff they have places to eat inside, you know, and they have a little workout room and everything in that tower. So that's pretty neat stuff. Cool. Neat stuff. Very cool. Well, kind of, I, I actually got an item this evening that I was going to share that since Carl's talking about air traffic control uh, towers, Mine uh, has to do with a new uh, lighting airport lighting system, and I was uh, I was at work the other day doing some updates to my Jeppesen instrument approach plates, and I came across this new airport lighting system that apparently is only uh, available at the moment. It's in testing phase down in uh, Dallas Fort Worth. It's called Pharos F A R O S, and that stands for final approach runway occupancy signal and it's a very neat little system and um, what it does is it's basically takes the four bar PAPI which is your precision approach path indicator and if there's an aircraft on the runway or anywhere in the runway safety area the four PAPI lights will flash at you to give you a visual warning as you're coming in uh, on approach to landing that, hey, something or there's an aircraft or a vehicle or a person inside the protected runway area. Use caution. So I wanted to just, you know, give you a little brief description of what I, I dug into it more because I was curious about it. And here's some of the information that I found out. Now, uh, like I said, it is a new lighting system that they're testing currently down in Dallas-Fort Worth. It started in the middle of September, and they're using this uh, system for three months to see if it, um, if it helps reduce runway incursions. Now, a runway incursion is defined as any occurrence at an aerodrome involving incorrect presence of an aircraft, vehicle, or person on the protected area of a surface which is designated for the purposes of takeoff and landing of aircraft. So, again, describing this a little bit more, it uses the, uh, the four-bar PAPI system, and um, it's integrated, this, the, the system is fully autonomous, and it's integrated into the airport surveillance radar, the ASR, as well as the airport surface detection equipment, the ASDE, or known as ASDE, uh, like um, Carl was mentioning earlier. And what it does is it uses all these pieces of equipment to determine what's going on in the protected area of the runway and notify you of what's happening through, uh, you know, through a flashing of the lights. So there's, um, there's you know, a, a big concern out there for runway incursions. Uh, a couple of a quick accidents I'll mention. One of them back in 1977 is that uh, an accident in Tenerife down in the Canary Islands 
where two aircraft collided on the runway, killing uh, 583 people. And what happened was the uh, it was very foggy. An aircraft um, uh, an aircraft had been ta cleared to taxi to an active runway. Another one had been cleared for takeoff, and through the poor visibility. Um, the uh, the aircraft couldn't see that it had encroached upon the the runway, and what happened was the airport the aircraft departing the runway collided with the one that was taxiing, and the, uh, you know there there's 583 fatalities. So another notable accident that happened in the probably the last five years was the accident in Lexington, Kentucky, back in 2006, with the um, the Com Air accident where the aircraft took off on the incorrect runway which happened to be too short and it never became airborne and went off the end of the runway and there was 49 fatalities so the runway incursions and accidents is obviously uh, it's it's a problem that uh, you know the FAA and the NTSB are working towards to get you know to help alleviate uh, these issues and and any um, fatalities or accidents. So there's two parts, there's two segments of this system. The first starts at 500 feet AGL, which is also known as the acquisition point, when, and that's when the pappies start flashing. And what happens is if you, uh, at this, this acquisition point, this is when you're gonna attempt to, to see the traffic. If, uh, if seen, evaluate, if traffic is seen, evaluate the situation and proceed with caution. And if not, what will happen here is um, if the traffic's not seen, you're gonna. This is the point where you contact aircraft traffic control, verify your landing clearance, and be prepared for a missed approach or a go around. Now, what happens in addition to the lights flashing out there for you, uh, for you to see is air traffic control and the control tower is also going to receive an audible alert that says Pharos runway one three left. And that notifies them that there's a situation going on that the, to give them um, some heads up that they need they have a situation that needs to be dealt with. Now, if air traffic control does not verify your landing clearance, you're going to go around. Same thing if air traffic control cancels your landing clearance due to this Pharos warning. Once again, you'll go around. The big note that they say that they've got published all over the the charts and the material online is that a steady pappy does not constitute clearance to land. So even though this FARO system is now in place, uh, you know, it's for testing, but now it's out there. It flashes, it warns you, hey, there's somebody in the protected area of the runway, an aircraft, a vehicle, a person, not safe for landing. Just because it's not flashing doesn't mean that you are cleared to land. So common sense, folks, just make sure that if you, you know, if you see this out there, that you still need to get a landing Makes clearance. Sense. Um, and you know the whole system came about from and actually came from an NTSB recommend, recommendation uh, to again allevi help alleviate runway uh, incursions and possible aircraft collisions. So that is a brief description of the Faro system. It's a new technology. Again, it's only at Dallas Fort Worth, but I, I I have a good feeling that this is something because of the way it's designed that we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of out there. Uh, flying, and so I wanted to, to to share this kind of upcoming technology with uh, with you folks out there. Listen, that's very cool. It makes a lot of so, sense. Um, that, you know, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's really neat. And if, in in fact, I found a lot of other kind of newer runway lighting and aircraft lighting technologies that I think I'm going to 
expand upon on you know the next one or two episodes to continue this uh, you know this lighting lesson. So um, you know it, there's just there's a lot of things. I mean, most times you see them at these larger airports. It's you know uh, definitely at a Bravo, sometimes at a Charlie. So again, I know it's new technology, but uh, with the way the runway incursions are increasing and, and things of that nature. I'm sure there's going to be more technology like this coming out. So um, it's 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 definitely. So I'm going to provide a website as well, so you can kind of learn and read about it. Um, you could check the show notes and also on the blog. So um, well, moving along, uh, talking more about a little bit of flying. Rick had a flying story from uh, from a recent flying yeah. story he wanted to share. Yeah, with yeah. Us. You know, this falls back into the sort of okay for for all the people learning and, and, and are relatively new. Um, just an interesting thing. I, I got to fly this weekend. Um, as I've said before, I don't think I fly as much as uh, all of you guys do, but um, definitely getting back into the swing of it and um, did a, a cross country from Norwood up to Keene, New Hampshire, a little early to see, to see too much color up there, but it was, it was a nice day for flying and uh, here in, in the Northeast. So that was fun. But before that I did a, the, you know, there were some interesting things that happened on that flight, but and we can talk about them some other time maybe. But before that, I just did a pattern. I had been a couple of weeks, and I just wanted to go around once and, you know, knock the rust off and just feel comfortable. And, um, I, you know, I, this this is it's I, this all went very well, and I knew exactly what to do. And I just thought I'd bring it up as a thing that you know things can happen in the pattern that are not just standard pattern, especially you know I'm at, so I'm at a towered field and and um, you know situational awareness basically. You're you're paying attention to a lot of things. So I, I took off, and I was actually um, uh, tracking the fact that there were a number of inbound planes um, for the run, you know, for the runway that I'd be using, and I just I'd need to get a sense for where my position was going to be in that flow um, as I was coming around. And I was on the downwind, and it it was starting um, to. Uh, you know, starting to get crowded. And I thought, well, he's going to, I remember having the thought, well, he's going to extend my, you know, my downwind. But I think there were, there were enough planes or, or the timing was such that I think, and I believe this is the first time, especially me flying alone. I think this happened once when I was a student, I had a CFI in the plane. Um, but I'm a midfield downwind. I think I called in or maybe I hadn't called in yet. I'll have to check the tape, but he basically asked me to do a 360 there on the downwind. And made perfect sense to me. I was on a, I was on a right downwind for um, runway three, five at Norwood. And I just, um, you know, said, sure. And did a, did a left, you know, nice, slow, careful left, uh, uh, 360. And, um, and by the time that was done, that had, you know, he had managed to shift some things around and I, you know, uh, continued on and, and didn't have to extend my, my downwind very far at all. Um, picking up the traffic that was in front of me and I was number two for the, for the runway. So, um, it was just kind of cool. And I guess it came naturally. And I think the last time it happened with a CFI, there was actually, uh, some spacing that he was not happy with. Um, so he made the call himself to do that, but, uh, this was sort of a request. So I just thought it was an interesting little moment. It hadn't happened to me before. And, um, I thought I'd talk about it a little, I don't know if you guys have anything to say on it, uh, um, as CFIs, or if you've had anything happen to you, um, you know, in, a, in in close to the airport where you've had to do something out of the ordinary uh, in terms of your flying, um, but uh, it was it was it was cool. It, it all went well, and it was a cool moment. We actually did that um, Sunday. Oh, okay. Three sixty. Um, we were a straight in final, and we were about I'm gonna say three or four miles from the runway, and there was a diamond behind us. Um, just a mile or two behind us. So we were both all coming in. We knew where each other were. We had each other in sight. Um, but there was a, a helicopter 
Duramedivac helicopter that was crossing the approach, and they were carrying um, a motorcyclist, actually, who was in an accident to a nearby hospital. Mm -hmm. And they announced that they'd be crossing that, you know, to please give them the right of way. And we said, of course, knew it was going to be close. So we ended up doing a 360. Meanwhile, the diamond behind us also did a 360. And the helicopter pilot was really thankful. We let her, you know, go on by and mm. we landed without incident. And then the diamond did as well. So that was an uncontrolled field and it was all coordinated very well just by saying your intentions and what you were going to do. It was great. That's cool. Um, I also remember I was flying with John Wellington uh, in his, um, um, not a, a, a Trinidad, and um, and we were basically it was a tower it was a towered field and we were over, we were going to overtake somebody who was who was moving in to land we were number two and so he had to do you know he did some fairly wide s turns and that was early on I had I had, was a pilot but I was new and I note you know that was a okay a little mental note that that can happen as well you know s turns are another way to to slow up so it just I thought it was interesting so I don't know if Len or Carl has anything to say about it but. Basically well, I, the, I, I'd uh, say I, I was just going to add that we do S-turns all the time and uh, just having to slow up for, say, there's a prop in front of us, et cetera, and, and, uh, and also 360s, uh, you know, they'll spin you even at 1,500 feet. I kind of have a rule of thumb, though, in, in my brain, and, and I, I pass along to my students. I usually don't like to do any type of 360s below they pass to and uh, I really won't do them uh, probably at, I don't know the area very well, uh, just so they don't bump into anything, obviously. Uh, but yeah, it it's, can be cr pretty aggressive. And, and in some airports, when they're trying visually to get a lot of airplanes and, and stack them into the airport, what they'll do is they'll say, hey, we're going we're gonna to spin you out there. Uh, just to add to that, another interesting thing I found out during my tower tour to prevent that from happening, they have this new system, uh, not all towers have it, where they can put a ghost airplane uh, on an arrival. So if they're taking uh, aircraft, uh, make sure you give me spacing on this runway so I can get this other person in at some point. You know, so it's not really a flight, but they want the spacing there. So if they need to, they can can throw somebody in there. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. And that, I, I, you know, I think that uh, you'll probably see that more and more as far as doing turns or S turns at um, busier airports. Uh, what do you, What do you think, Len? Uh, yeah, I've had a, a couple of instances where um, I had to do. Uh, S turns to to let traffic in in front of me, which uh, we, were, we were in a Canadian airport and uh, we were going in, and there's an aircraft coming in front of us. And I mean, this guy really had no business. I mean, the, the, I would say the air traffic controller could have vectored us better because he gave this guy he he shoved him right in front of us. And so here I am. I'm fully configured with gear down, flops 45, and I got to do these S turns. And you know, when in in our aircraft, that with all that drag out there, that requires a lot of thrust and forward thinking because you're slow and you got that airplane all dirtied up with the gear and the flaps out there, and you have to really watch what's going on because if you're leveled off, you have to add you know almost full power to maintain level flight in that configuration. So. Uh, and, but it's funny, you know, when I first started the airline flying and air traffic control said, hey, can you give me S turns down final? I kind of laughed and I was like, is this guy serious? Like, we're, we're professional pilots. Why, are my, why am I out here doing S turns like, you know, you know, practicing a maneuver? And what I learned, is, you know, like Carl said, it's more common for spacing. Uh, a lot of times that I have done this, you know, they say, give me an S turn to the left or give me an S turn to the right. 
Um, and, you know, you'll do that and you'll make a kind of a big wide turn and come back and lo and behold, the spacing works out. Um, you know, and the other thing that I've had before is where they'll just, ex sometimes, and this isn't in GA aircraft, but, you know, they'll just like extend me on the downwind or something and say, extend your downwind, I'll call your base or something like that. And that happened recently right, right. Uh, in May when I did that $100 hamburger flight out to uh, West Virginia. You could, I think you could see it on one of the videos I have. Um, you know, and there was traffic trying to depart the area and yeah, no big deal, but there's a, it's a, it's a useful, it's a useful tool, but I like, I kind of like, uh, Carl's recommendation, be careful, uh, you know, maybe not doing, uh, you know, these 360s below traffic pattern altitude and, and be being more aware of your surroundings. If you're not at a familiar airport, that's actually a pretty good tip, uh, especially at night. I don't like doing a lot of weird stuff at night when I'm in a strange airport. I have no idea what's below me that you can't see towers and mountains and I mean it's on the chart but if you're not familiar it's you know it's just easier to uh to be more cautious yep. very good uh excellent well i guess what i wanted to say real quick was uh, you know we we always invite our listeners to submit um any comments or questions or flying stories uh, via the blog at stuckmikeavcast.com or forward them to us on twitter or facebook you can also reach us stuckmikeavcast at gmail Dot com. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. It's been, uh, it's been. We haven't had any um, any questions we've answered online in a while. So uh, we'll make sure you su submit some. Actually, we did. Um, we did just put out a blog post for for a listener about the uh, the constant speed prop, and we'll go ahead and include that in the show notes. Um, it's not something we talked about online, but we'll include that in the show notes. Is something that you know a listener question that we did we did answer. Our picks of the week. So moving along this evening to our picks of the week, uh, we're going to share another one of our favorite aviation products or services that um, you know we found interesting or helpful. And I'd like to start with. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with Rick. Um, okay. Well, yeah, this is something I haven't. Well, I've sort of used it. Um, it's an it's an app. Yes, it's an app again. Um, it, it's uh, basically Log10 Pro uh, for logging your flights. And the, but but the difference is, and this this one I have not used, is that it's more of a way for me to tell everyone that, um, and I don't know when this will happen, but by the time you're hearing this, um, so several different updates to Apple products um, have happened, and uh, iOS 5 will be out. Um, as we are recording this, the iTunes uh, store actually, is, iTunes is updating today. Um, and Log10 is putting out... Um, Log10 Pro for the iPad 6.0. Um, I'm pretty sure this is not just an upgrade. This is this may be a buy at a discount if you already own it or or buy again. And um, the the bottom line, and I don't know how this will fully integrate with your devices, but it's a Mac Mac and I mean it works with the Mac uh, and and the iPad and the iPhone. And the, the difference is it's going to use iCloud. It's going to sync uh, your data. Um, sort of automatically through iCloud, whereas now I think you have to uh, be on the same Wi-Fi network and physically tell your your portable device you have to have it open, the yeah. app running, and the uh, program running on your computer to to sync the data. And I believe that will be now all automatic um, when 6.0 comes out. So look for that. I don't know if it's available Correct. yet, but um, they told me it would be soon, and they're already uh, sending out emails and. Their website sort of says buy now and be ready to upgrade kind of thing. So that was cool. And the only other thing that was funny was uh, as I was looking at the Coradine, it's made by Coradine Aviation Systems, Log10 Pro. Um, 
They also have another uh, app that looks like it is not out yet, um, and it is called, but it is coming out, um, and it's for the iPad and iPhone, and it's called On Time, and it appears to be a sort of a base, sort of a very quick and basic uh, trip planning uh, application from the folks at Coradine, and it looks like it's sort of more down and dirty, like in a hurry, if I'm going to go here to here to here, it'll do a lot of the calculations for you. Um, I don't know much about it, but I thought I'd throw it out there. It is called On Time, and um, the uh, in the App Store, it's, it says coming soon for uh, thirty, basically 30 bucks. So hopefully they'll let you demo it before you buy it, because that's that's fairly pricey if it doesn't provide as much as many features as some of the other apps that are already out there. But um, I like Log10. I, Carl, I don't know if you use uh, Log10 or, um, or or something to log your uh, flights. I actually, I, I, I don't use Log10 right now, and I'm actually thinking of switching it to it. So are you, you, know, you have been using it for quite some yeah, time. I, yeah, I have been, and, and I like it a lot. I, but I know that I, I use about 10% of it as a, you know, a, sort of a little low-time weekend flyer GA pilot. But... Boy, there's data. There's there's stuff in there for you in terms yes. of of all the you know tracking your hours and when you you know just all the stuff that you guys have to track already. That's that's what it's really really meant for. So sounds like you should wait and and look at this thing when when six comes out because they're and actually they're selling it now. I think if you buy it now, you're essentially buying the six product. So uh, anyway, all right, great. Carl, tell us about uh, tell us about the um, soaring for people with disabilities. Oh yeah, the uh, uh, soaring with people with disabilities. It was, it was actually uh, an organization called Freedoms Wings International. Freedoms Wings International, and the reason I found out about this organization was through uh, one of my instructors this week when I was going through recurrent training. He happens to be an instructor at this organization. And the person that really pulls us all together is a gentleman who used to be a carrier pilot with the Navy. And uh, he had an accident up at 77 and eventually uh, was able to get back into uh, flying um, small airplanes and gliders again. And what he has done is made his life's work bringing people up that have uh, different challenges and uh, folks that have uh, you know, paraplegics, quadriplegics, people with spina bifida, cerebral palsy, etc. And uh, through donations of, of money and time of, of different instructors, they will fly folks and they will come to you also, but they operate primarily at a Van Zant Airport and Blairstown Airport. Blairstown's in New Jersey and Van Zant's uh, right across the border in, in uh, Pennsylvania on the Delaware River. And it's a wonderful thing to see these uh, the videos and the pictures on their website. It's called freedomswings.org. And uh, just, just like all these other organizations that take folks out of their, their comfort zone and, and the folks that have, have lost the use of, of their, their legs and their arms, it, it, it gives them that opportunity to, to realize that you know, they don't have to stop living and dreaming it can actually fly and one of the the greatest quotes and i, I think you should really go out there and, and read her story is from a, a lady who went up on a flight and one of the things that she said is that you know i i couldn't get up over that curb with my wheelchair but now i'm a pilot and uh, that that says everything right there and it was it was uh, just a, a wonderful experience so uh, I think I'm going to actually head out there uh, pretty soon and uh, take some uh, a few glider rides also. Hopefully one day I'll be able to get my uh, glider CFI and, and uh, take some folks up someday. Well, very cool, Carl. Appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, Victoria, what was your pick of the week? Uh, mine's another web page again. Um, I have a friend who 
Every time he sees something about pilots or aviation, he ships them over to me. So I get like one a day. But uh, this is my favorite uh, that I've seen in a while. It's uh, from the LA Times. You can probably get the link on our site. Um, they did a slideshow of aviation history in Southern California. And apparently there's an exhibit in the Huntington Library that will have all this up. Um, but the pictures are rich in history. Uh, the sixth picture shows how differently we approached flight suits in the past. I swear this guy looks like it should be submerged underwater, not something that you fly in. So it just goes to show how much we've grown. Um, and picture number 11 looks like he's hopping on a horse. So if you like to look at old pictures, I highly recommend uh, this article from the LA Times. It's quite fun. Very cool. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, they're awesome. I was just looking at it now. That's, that's yeah. pretty darn cool. Yeah. Did you look at number six? Look at that flight suit. But I don't know how you could find that or see out of it. <laughs> that That's comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Plot. I wanted to share uh, a blog. I don't know if I, th I think you guys may or may not be familiar with it, but um, it's an aviation blog that I've started reading recently. And uh, it's it's called jetwine.com. And uh, it's it's the website is um, is is published by a gentleman named Rob Mark, and the tagline is Aviation Buzz in Bold Opinion, and it's a neat little web uh, neat website. Rob has been in the aviation industry for thirty years. Uh, he works as a CEO of a company called Com Avia, and it's a it's a business development consulting group. And he's also worked as an adjunct uh, faculty member at the Northwestern University um, School of Journalism. Uh, he's a former airline and corporate pilot and also a CFI. And he writes uh, about, you know, like I said, aviation buzz and bold opinions here on jetwine.com. Uh, it's a neat website. Again, like I just started following it. I've added it to... Uh, to my to my daily reads here and there's a lot of neat articles on there about different aspects of aviation a lot of stories uh, it's 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 actually in fact it's the way I understand it to be a very popular well-known blog even though I'm sort of just coming around to uh, to getting a chance to to tuning in and, and paying attention I don't know if you guys uh, had a chance to check out that website yet um, I haven't I follow but it you do yeah yeah I actually think I follow uh, him on Twitter and maybe some other sites. And I, he's, is he a member of a podcast too? Yeah. He's airplane, airplane geeks. geeks. Yeah. 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 He's, yes. he's really, he's on that. He's that. Yeah. He's great. It's good content. So I'll have to check that site out more. Cool. The after landing checklist. So that's, uh, that's the picks of the week. So, uh, Hey Carl, why don't you let folks know how they can get a hold of you? Well, you can get a hold of me at my blog, expertaviator.com. Or you can uh, take a look at me at Twitter at uh, Expert Aviator. Great. How about Victoria? How can folks get a hold of you? I blog regularly at toriaflies.blogspot.com. And on Twitter, I'm toriafly. And check out her blog to find out who delivered a mysterious fire hydrant to her front yard. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> Only to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Rick, how about uh, how about your information? Um, yeah, R Felty on Twitter. R D Felty um, is the YouTube channel, and uh, RickFelty.com. Great, and my website is thepilotreport.com, and I'm also the Pilot Report on Twitter and Facebook. And from all of us, Len Costa, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Victoria Nouvel, thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. This is episode number twelve. We really enjoy getting together and 
and recording these shows for uh, for you. And, and we all wish you guys clear skies and calm winds. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa production. <laughs>